Happy 2023! Oh John, oh how are you God. doing? We made it. We survived the big 2023. Crazy. I don't know. I don't know what it signifies, but we made hey, it. Hey, you know Man. what Nostradamus was saying about 2023. What What was Nostradamus it's, saying about 2023? It's about to go down. I'll tell you that much. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I, I personally um have very little acquaintance with the prophecies of Nostradamus. Is there... I don't think... I don't think there were actually any specific predictions for 2023. Okay. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Nostradamus made like really vague claims and mm-hmm. people have just continuously applied it to things where they saw it fit. Like Nostradamus Nost- Nostradamus could could say like, oh, a, a thousand years from now a great empire will fall. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, America's on the brink of collapse. Like we we can apply that there, but I don't think that <laughs> I feel like that happens every thousand years. We're getting there. Uh but yeah. yeah. New Year. Some could say that Nostradamus was the first influencer. Don't say that. <laughs> okay, I won't. <laughs> new Year, new us. Not Kinda, really. I guess. Not I'm, really. We're we're still here. Um, John, it, it's been a couple weeks uh, since we last talked. Uh, you've been getting up to anything fun in the uh, post in the, in the in the holiday early January interim? Um. I've been hanging out. Yeah. My personal life's been a bit all over the place, but I'm not going to get into that on here. Very, very, very fair. Uh, uh, I, I hope, I hope, <laughs> I wish you the best as far as that goes. Um, yeah, th- things have been fine for me, I guess. I mean, we recorded the last episode, like, the last week of... No? Did we record it, like, right before Christmas? It was, uh, I hadn't left to go home yet, so it was right before Christmas, yeah. Okay. Okay, Yeah. A lot has happened in that time frame. Uh, what, what what have I been up to? I watched the first season of True Detective. Okay, that was crazy. I have never seen it. Uh, uh, how would you How would you rate it? Um, True Detective is like an anthology series. Like each season is its own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first season I thought was really good. Uh, it's it stars um Matthew McConaughey. Homestuck legend Matthew McConaughey, friend of the pod. Matthew uh, McConaughey. Uh, fucking, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Woody Harrelson. Okay. Uh, they're the two main characters of the first season, and they deal with a with a cult who worships. I don't know if it's a spoiler. Just the you you know the Yellow King from Cthulhu myth, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm vaguely aware of the of the story. Yeah, uh, he's involved a little bit, and it you know it's it's fun. It kind of like it kind of blurs the line of like what's what's real, what's yep. what's not. It's 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 a detective show, and that's what it is for the most part. It's it's they're solving a crime, and it's fun. It's mm-hmm. a fun little time. Uh, but Matthew McConaughey's character is probably my favorite character that I've seen in something in a very long time. Uh, awesome. He's the most character character I've ever seen in something. And, Cause like the, in, in the opening scene, like it shows him like, like, like the, the entire plot is like him, like retelling the story of like what happened mm-hmm. like decades before. Uh, well, not the entire thing. The first, the first, like, like, but half. It's, it's like a, it's like a whole flashback contained yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, 
And like when you see it, like it took me a second to register that it was Matthew McConaughey that I was looking at because he looked he looked like fucked up. <laughs> uh, and when it flashes back and he's like this normal looking guy, I, I was like, damn, this is gonna this is gonna be crazy. This guy's gonna go off the deep end. Uh, <laughs> and he did, and it's fun, and I I highly recommend it. Um, damn. Other things All I right. watched, I watched Queen's Gambit. I oh yeah, I remember chess. that was a big. That was a big topic conversation chess. a while back. It was it was crazy. It was it was like watching an anime. It, I don't I don't I don't know why I keep describing it like that, but Queen's Gambit is maybe the most anime live action show I've ever seen, and it's a show about chess. Okay. Um I I went to a theater alone for the first time last week. Bruh. Uh, that was fun. I don't know. I Yeah, you know, I said that, and then I, I can't think of any time that I've actually gone to see a movie in a theater by myself, so. Listen, you you just tore me down, man. I, I spent I spent weeks, like, convincing myself that it's perfectly normal no, 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 to, it, it, to be 25 fine. and, like, go see a movie without anybody you know. It's fine. I'm just saying that I'm <laughs> lazy, and I'm usually just going to, like, watch it on streaming or something. Yeah. Um... It was it nothing was, wrong with getting out of the house. It, it was Shin Ultraman, so like, I I I've never like had the chance to see a a Tokusatsu movie uh-huh. in theaters. Like I I think my last chance would have been a Shin Godzilla, and that was Shh. that was like a billion years ago. Shin um, Ultraman is sorry. You can fill us in the details. Uh, Shin Ultraman is another entry in the quote unquote. Shin franchise uh, that that Hideaki Anno has been working on. Translators note: Shin means true. I thought it meant new. Um, it might mean both. I'm not sure. Uh, anyways, uh, the two movies are not connected at all, except uh-huh. from but said by the fact that Anno has worked on both of them. Uh. Shin Godzilla was very good. It was a very serious movie. Uh, it was very, it was very grounded, uh, and I loved that movie a lot. I, I have a, I have a nice framed wooden poster of it on my wall. Uh, Shin Ultraman, on the other hand, I've never seen anything Ultraman related before. But like, I've been, a, I've been a fan of Tokusatsu for a very long time, uh, and I felt like it was time for me to like try out Ultraman. Uh, Shin Ultraman was not this this bleak interpretation of Ultraman. It was it was very goofy and it was it was very fun and I and I and I really enjoyed it. Uh the, there there's no like suit like like you, you know how in Tokusatsu like they have the big set. There's like, always like the they always transform. There's always like the part where they hit the little uh device on their belt and they turn into a Power Ranger. Well, I mean that that I've only seen Power Rangers. That does happen. Uh, he has the he has the button that he presses, and he becomes a giant man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just there was no like practical man in a suit. Uh, which was oh, fine. So it was like all CGI. You mean? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it still preserved like. There, there were certain decisions uh, with it that I could tell they were like preserving, like what would have originally been like practical artifacts, such mm-hmm. as like monsters being like really stiff 
or like there there was a bit uh, where they were like oh these monsters all look like they're reusing bits like <laughs> like like two monsters had the same head and they like acknowledge that and like like in the original show that would have been because they reuse suits yeah uh, they had so many props yeah uh but the the funniest shit that i've ever seen and the whole theater fucking erupted when it happened uh there's one point where ultraman like flies in when he flies he's like stiff as a board like mm-hmm. he 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 looks like a, a static prop that is flying around like a guy like stretched out on like a green screen yeah that they're superimposing. Yeah. uh he flies in in a straight line stops in front of the kaiju that he's fighting and he just starts spinning like 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 a like a pinwheel like he just starts going and he's still like completely static in the same pose and Let's he fucking j- go. he just kicks the kaiju into the sky it was it was great it was so fun uh it sounds like it's not afraid to be goofy which it, i respect it, it is definitely not afraid to be goofy uh from from what i'm aware of it is a it is a complete retelling of the the original in uh Ultraman show in its entirety and it kind of felt like that it felt like i watched three short movies back to back Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun. It was definitely fun. Uh, the theater was packed. There were, there were a lot of old people. Um, I felt like out of place. Uh, and I don't know. It was fun. It was fun being in a theater of people laughing and having fun. Mm-hmm. It, it's always those stuff like that where like they screen like some more niche movie is always fun because you always feel like, or like I always feel at least like I have more of a connection with the people around me than I would if I was seeing, like, a big movie that people were seeing because it was a name. Yeah. I always really enjoy that kind of stuff. It's it's, it's really, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like it was a lot of fun. Uh, personal, it, like it was a good experience. Personal beef I have, though, uh, when I bought my ticket, uh, theater was not nearly as, as sold out on the screen as it was when the actual day came. Um, mm-hmm. The seat that I purchased... I, I, I am a classic middle middle row, middle of the theater, straight straight view of the screen person. Respectable, solid. Uh, I, row I G. It. Row G is where I go. I was in G six. I was comfortable. It was it was good. Uh only problem though, uh person to the left of me and person to the right of me both bought seats directly next to me. When, when they could have, like, scooted over one. Like, we were the only three people on the row, and they sat next to me. <laughs> Let's fucking go. And the, the, the center the center of the theater squad. The, the guy to the left of me was, like, drinking the entire time. He was having a good time, <laughs> but, like, he was, he was drinking a lot, and every time he went to get some popcorn, he would elbow me in my side. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really know what to do about that. I, I might be an adult, but I don't know how to handle someone I don't know elbowing me in a movie <laughs> for like two hours. I, I don't know. Just be like, uh, actually, yeah, I have no idea. Um, I, I would, I, I might just sit there and accept it. So I can't. That's really what I did. Shit for that. That's what I did. Ugh. But yeah, right. good, good, good times. I'm, I, I've been having good times in the past couple weeks good to hear good to hear um how about myself you? <laughs> uh well blah, blah, blah. uh so for me um i just kind of been doing my usual routine uh hanging out working going to the card store all that all that jazz um 
but I've watched a couple of things recently, or uh, since the year started, that I enjoyed. Um, so first, uh, I watched. So this, so I this is kind of a touchy. Okay, so I watched the the Channel Five movie, right? Yeah. Um, and then two days later, uh, credible allegations of sexual misconduct, uh, including sexual assault, came out against Andrew Callahan, the guy behind it. Um, which was. You know, it really fucking sucks that that guy's an asshole because I really liked his movie. Yeah. Um, did you Did you see his response? I've not watched his response yet. Um, I I thought I, I thought it was a very appropriate response, and it. I don't know. I, th- I I thought it was maybe one of the gooder responses to allegations that I've seen in a very long time. I I saw some quotes from it. I saw that he left it off, like saying, "Like, uh, I hope that you take the message of the work that we've done," and, you know. It's I I can appreciate that and I appreciate like owning up to it, but like dude's still an asshole and it still makes yeah. it still really sucks. Yeah. Um. Uh. The movie itself though, um, I I really really liked it. I feel like uh, Displace Rules. Um, is the name of the movie. I feel like uh, it it did a really good job in capturing um the essence of American insanity, uh, surrounding twenty twenty the early pandemic um, and the Trump re-election cycle yeah. or what would have been the Trump re-election cycle, the 2020 election cycle. Um, and I just, gen- I really enjoyed just like the window it gave into a lot of that. It had a lot of really revealing stuff in it. Uh, interviews sections with like Alex Jones and like the head of the proud boys. Um, we just kind of get to see that these people are just hollow shells of people hawking t-shirts um, yeah. and like not caring about any of the, repercussions that may come from them stewing American political unrest for clout. Um, so I, I think that as far as if you are like me and if you have this uh, gnawing compulsion to like look at the grimy underbelly of American right-wing thought, I would recommend it. Um, but it is just a fucking shame that the dude is a, is a, is I, I don't know if using the R word is appropriate, but the dude's a teach me just shit, whatever. Yeah. Um, fuck that guy. Fuck him. Um, beyond that, uh, I have been watching, um, so I watched, uh, Nathan Fielder's, uh, newer show, uh, newer, um, the rehearsal. Yeah. Um, that is a show. Um, <laughs> last time I talked a bit about how I just finished Nathan for you, um, and how the last episode and some of the last episodes of that show, uh, Open. I could see how they would open up some discourse on like, what is what? How is what is an acceptable way to treat people, um, when you're bringing them on TV? Like, what can you get away with, in terms of like, dishon like contract dishonesty in filming people, um, and like, what can you get out of that? Like, what kind of like vulnerability? Like, what kind of like vulnerable sides of people can you capture, um, by tricking them to be on TV under a false premise, basically? Yeah. Um, and the rehearsal is a continuation of that in a lot of really fascinating ways, uh, because the character of Nathan Fielder himself becomes a much bigger part of it. Um, like a really continuous theme throughout Nathan for you is the character of Nathan, like trying to connect with people through the process of like helping them quote unquote with their business. Um, and the whole the whole premise of the rehearsal. I don't know, are you familiar with the uh, the basic premise of the rehearsal? Uh, I I don't know if I'm correct about what I know about it, but I I know 
thing? Just explain it to me. Okay, okay. So the basic idea that you get from the first episode of the rehearsal, it's six episodes long, is that uh, what Nathan Fiddler's going to do to help people in this show is he's going to, um, ahead of any, like, troubling confrontation or life circumstance that they might want to prepare for, uh, to construct a full-scale rehearsal of it with paid actors in a one-to-one set so they have a free arena to, like, practice their heavy life moments before they actually conduct it with their real loved ones so they can walk through it with an actor um it's insane it's it's a completely insane and delusional premise from the from the outset um and the in the second episode um i guess this is spoilers for how the show kind of plays out uh in the second episode it introduces this woman who the idea of her rehearsal is that they're going to replicate the experience of raising a child um, so she can figure out whether she wants to be a mother. Um, and Nathan himself gets involved in this and it continues that thread of like, uh, trying to juice like any potential human, uh, interaction or emotion out of this character, um, by replicating human interaction, like the most awkward mechanical way possible. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to—I don't want to give spoilers as to where the show goes or how it ends, uh, but it is amazing both as like a story that it's telling. Um, it's, it's really—it's a really compelling story of like the character he's playing. And it's also just again amazing to see what you can get away with on TV and like what you can point a camera at somebody and like get them to do. Um, would recommend uh, ten out of ten. Fielder does it again. Hell yeah! Um, very very good. And uh, besides that, uh, I'm now currently working my way through uh, The Sopranos, which I have vowed to finally watch this year after like three or four years of starting it and then never finishing it. Um, And I'm also really enjoying that show. Uh, It's very good. Uh, I know I might be the first among the first to say it, but The Sopranos is 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 good TV. Um. I would go more into depth on uh, on, on that, uh, but I see that we are approaching the 20-minute mark. We have not yet veered into oh, our discussion of what we're actually <laughs> doing today. Um, so, uh, John, what, are, what what did we do today? What are we talking about as our main topic uh, uh, on this episode of AHP? We're talking about psycholonials. 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 Uh, a... a st- I would say a surprise project when it when it came out uh, mm. from Andrew Hussey, uh, beloved beloved Hussey, why what, the reason why we're here? <laughs> um, yeah, Psycho yeah. uh, 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 so, so, was originally announced at the end of twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Am I right about that? <laughs> so let me let me let me check the release. Date. I believe it came out. Uh, I thought I was okay. Brief brief pause while I, while we figure out the timeline here. Uh, yeah, I think I want to say that it was uh, announced late in the 2020, and because it, it came out early in 2021. Yeah the 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 first trailer dropped on December 20th, 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember that night because that was the night of my family's Christmas party and all my, my, my extended family were over my uncles and their families. Uh, we were opening gifts and I got a notification 
from uh from Hussey's Twitter because I have notifications on for Hussey's Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was a link to the trailer and I was like holy shit. <laughs> New thing. New thing. Uh and it, it was it was it was exciting and then it came out and then we briefly covered it weekly while it was releasing during our normal episodes in case anybody remember the remembers those. Yes, longtime fans of the pod will know this is not our first uh, venture into covering Psycholonials. Um, when we did it as it was coming out, uh, I re- seem to recall that we both generally really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, yeah we did. Yes, uh, but never I never went back and revisited it after that first like skim through episodically. Um, and I've wanted to go back and revisit it for a while, uh, just one to like, well, primarily just to get the experience of like reading it all in one go. Um, but also just because, uh, now that I know where the story goes, like I've not held up these weird expectations of it being like a Homestuck adjacent project and not knowing how to judge it or like not knowing how to interact with it from that like premise. Yeah. Um, so we are doing it again. Uh, we are doing, we're splitting it up into two episodes, um, is the plan. Uh, so for today, uh, I reread the first five chapters. I don't know if you, did you reread the whole thing? Um, no, I, I just, I I just reread the first five chapters. Okay. I'm a busy person. (laughs) (laughs) I saw on Twitter that you were retweeting a bunch of stuff, like, related to, like, the ending and, like, the late part of it. And I wasn't sure if, like, you were just browsing the... I was just browsing the tag. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if you were browsing in wake of having finished the whole thing or just out of a whim, but okay, I, 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 we're on the same page. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now, uh, for anybody who who decides to delve into the 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 psycholonials tag on on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. there's not a lot there. There's like shockingly little hashtag psycholonials posts. Uh, yeah, which makes the fact that there's like porn. Of Psycholonials <laughs> characters, way more shocking. <laughs> it's it's like way more shocking when it when it comes up because I'm I'm like I'm used to the porn being buried beneath like non porn fan art. Algorithmically, you know, typically something will come up before the pornography in in most cases. I'm not saying that it pops up immediately because it doesn't. I scroll through the huh. entire the entire hashtag Psycholonials thing okay and the the, there's not only very little psychological fan art but the the i i I feel like the fact that there's maybe like 20 pieces of fan art and like six of them are porn it's like i don't know i think it's funny (laughs) there's some comedy to the ratio to the ratio for sure but, um, yeah, I, I think something that uh, has always kind of struck me as a little bit weird about Psycholonials is that there really wasn't a ton of, like, we talk a lot about, okay, sorry, rewind. Um, when we talk about uh, new properties, and we talk about, like, homestead properties especially, a lot, we'll oftentimes discuss the reaction or the backlash or whatever surrounded it when it came out, because yeah. Homestuck is a fandom that's just like that. Uh, Psycholonials was met with extremely little fanfare. Um, yeah. I don't want to say that we were, like, might have been the most prominent people talking about it, but, like, we may have been the most prominent people to talk about it. 
um, I, which is insane. I, w- I would agree with that uh, because at the time, uh, I, I, I've, I've always been this person who like when, when, when new content comes out, I, I see what other people are saying about it. Uh, when, when Cyclonials was releasing, there, there was maybe like three people with, with large followings talking about it. Well, semi-large followings, as large as someone in the, in the Homestuck fandom could be. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like those three people like saying positive things about it. And then like everyone else was like hussy haters who were like telling people to not read it and like taking things out of context to trying to push people away from reading it. Uh, I like phoning it in type, like, like phoning it in type hate even. Yeah. Like, Oh, here's a fucking meme that I saw that I heard that the game has this subject matter in it. That's yeah. Problematic. I, I remember one of the more prominent posts that got around was it, I, I, it was, it was during like chapter two or three when, uh, when, when bisexuality comes up <laughs> and, and people like screenshotted some of the lines and like the post got around and they were like, Oh, hussy is biphobic. This is why you shouldn't read Cyclonials, and it's like th- this is the most insane thing you could do right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 criticism slash the hate towards this game was basically on the level of like a, a, how a fifteen year old understands problematic media. Yeah, um, which should give an indicator as to how much like this caught on, which is to say that it really didn't. Yeah, um. And I just wanted to read it again and talk about it again because I feel like it has been really drastically underserved, um, and it deserves some rec- like some more recognition, just as its own thing outside of like trying to analyze the breadcrumbs that comes out and figure out if it's a homestuck thing or not. Yeah. Uh. So I guess that brings us to Cyclonials itself. Yes. Um. um bit of bit of a framing before we hop into it. Sure. Uh, this is a pure hussy project. No ghost riders. Not the 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 Act Six ghost riders did not hop in on this one. This is pure hussy writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the the FAQ on the Cyclonials website, this the Cyclonials in its entirety was written between April twentieth, twenty twenty, and May twenty twenty, the end of May twenty twenty, and. Mm-hmm. The the plot was like retooled a bit as as the year went on. Many of us may remember things happened in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> 2020 was a year that we all experienced, and a lot of things happened. Uh, but it Hussey has said a number of times that like the full plot was constructed in that like month frame, and mm-hmm. like just parts of it were changed a bit to like be more real with like what the what was going on at the time mm-hmm. uh only other person who worked on the project is uh clark powell on music uh her wonderful music that that makes this this experience so much better she did an insanely good job it's really good <laughs> the the music is like the music makes this fucking thing it's really really good yeah um so i guess uh Final disclaimer, um, also, it's pandemic fiction, it's about the pandemic, it's about 2020, uh, there are gonna be mentions of police brutality, of the general funk that everyone was in during 2020, 
Um, if that's not what you're on board for today, then uh, come back another day or yeah. never. Uh, but cause that's what we're doing. Yeah. Also, so, also, I misspoke there. Uh, there was one other person who worked on the project that I feel like I should mention, and that is uh, that that is Kohi, the pro the programmer who I know is on the Vast Error team, and I love Kohi's work. Shout out to fellow programmer. Yes, did not intend did not intend to uh, discredit anybody. Thank you for th- thank you everybody who worked on this project. So without further ado, uh, I guess we can get into the recap. Let's go. Let's all right. Let's do it. So. Uh, Psycholonials. Um, we are introduced, so, Psycholonials is a visual novel, visual novel type format, so most of it consists of just panels and dialogue between, uh, the characters and, uh, their internal monologues. So, much like Homestuck. So, uh, we are introduced, uh, to our setting, which is the island of Nantucket, um, a vacation slash summer home destination for the wealthy, typically. Um... Our main character is Z, who is a 23-year-old canceled ex-influencer idling in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and we get a, we are first introduced to her uh, by way of a window in her glamorous lifestyle of waking up at 3 p.m. and doom scrolling for an hour before day drinking and then passing out again. Um, we are introduced to, as we introduce to Z, um, we get to see a little bit of uh, context clues about what kind of person she might be based on her apartment. Um, we see among a big hodgepodge of posters stuck up on her wall, uh, she has an interest in Metal Gear Solid, um, due to, uh, I believe she proclaims it, uh, Kojima's understanding of, uh, horny gay men with enormous butts. Real. Uh, um, <laughs> not entirely wrong. Uh, her, she had an, we learned she has an insane cloud posse phase, um, which, uh, is phrases it's a reminder of a philosophy towards family which you prefer of more conventional definitions which will come up later uh when we learn more about her family um she has an affinity for post malone uh who apparently falls into her type of men being uh bog monster swamp goblin men of that type um post malone apparently is a pretty cool guy from what i've heard so i guess i guess could be worse um and even a a small shout out to homestuck is in there uh so there's that uh, also strewn across her apartment or a calendar that she hasn't, she hasn't bothered to update in months, uh, ever since she has thought she had to stop going into work due to Corona, um, and a pile of disconnected computer equipment and a printed out copy of her so-called Jubilite Manifesto, uh, which we note with a, uh, that nobody sane writes a manifesto. Um, we learned that, uh, she is a canceled former influencer. Um, but it would seem that she was a fairly micro one, although I don't know how much ground we have to stand on that basis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, it would seem, uh, from her derelict social media, um, and it's triple digit follower accounts that she's not that hot of a personality, uh, online these days. Um, she thinks about how her brand is stagnant. Um, most of what she does these days is low effort shit posting on TikTok. Um, and we get to meet, and uh, we're introduced to her friend and fellow influencer Abby uh, when she starts messaging her on Discord. So we learn a little bit about Abby. Um, she's very popular. Uh, she has a thriving online brand, um, and she refuses to associate with Z publicly uh, in fear of backlash that Z's few remaining or Z's remaining hangers-on and trolls will uh, give shit and, and, and incur public backlash uh, for publicly associating with each other. 
Um, so they have a brief conflict uh, where Z is upset that she won't follow her back, um, and they kind of sparf a little bit before Z signs off and decides to go and resume her uh, sorted schedule. So Z looks in her fridge. Uh, she finds a five-day-old pan of macaroni um, and starts digging into it while day drinking. Yum. Um, yeah, uh, our, our main character is in a really good place to start out, I would say. She's doing really, really well. Um, during this, uh, as she chows down, uh, she starts to reflect on some of the fans that she's, uh, the people that she interacts with online, the people who follow her. Um, both an army of loyal simps uh, who hang on her every word, and no matter what, no matter how low effort or disgusting the TikTok she posts, uh, will shower her with praises of queen and slay. Um, and on the uh, other side of that dichotomy, she still has hangers on, uh, who continue to torment her over a years old meltdown, the details of which we are never really informed of. Uh, but we see that there are people in her comment sections, uh, saying things like, how could you still support this bitch? Do you know what she did? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, as she continues to drink, uh, Z gets increasingly desperate and decides to do a, what seems to be a bit of a ritual for her of the Instagram thirst trap, uh, where she posts an incredibly desperate photo of herself looking like dog shit, asking if anybody, any of her, any of her followers are in the area. She ensnares a poor simp, uh, whose screen name is Percy of Hyrule, um, and, in, uh, Rolls him into a short DM conversation where she baits him into posting, uh, sending her a selfie, sending her a shirtless selfie, and then makes fun, then uh, making fun of him before throwing up into her macaroni and eventually blocking him. Um, fulfilled by this experience, uh, she passes out on our kitchen table. Um, we see a short, out of body esque dream sequence where uh, she sees herself sprawled over her kitchen table and looks around her apartment, um, and she sees that. Uh, her bed and her fridge and uh, big parts of the big parts of the environment are starting to turn into giant copies of her manifesto. Um, she looks around and she sees a shadowy figure at the end of the hallway, uh, who we will soon learn uh, represents the, her dead father. Um, and at the end of the dream, uh, her spirit ascends into space uh, and is greeted by a giant clown who informs her that she still has work to do uh, before waking her up. So, uh, when Z wakes up, uh, she has some messages from Abby. Um, the two start to talk again and make up. We establish kind of a, uh, what we call it, like a, an affable uh, banter between two young people. Um, I remember there was a lot of discussion about how topics were handled in some of these conversations back when this game came out. And, like we're talking about the low, the low effort criticism. Yeah. Um, not worth discussing. Uh, but the two, basically, uh, they make up. Um, Abby reaches out to her and says, like, hey, it seems like you're really in a rut. Do you want to come over tonight? And we can, you know, get you back on your feet and figure out what we're doing with the life. It's probably going to be better than sitting around, uh, in your part, in your apartment in squalor, uh, eating five day old macaroni. Um, Z agrees, um, but declines her generous offer of calling her an Uber to get over to the other side of the island. Um, Z contemplates, uh, before setting out to launch her new career, uh, as her new influencer career with Abby, um, Z contemplates the 
intrinsic nature of the internet and her belief that it is evil and an end a I believe the quote is a boundless well of uh, burning with satanic potential. Um, but nonetheless, uh, she heads out of the door and uh, leaves for Abby's. Um, and so the climactic end of chapter one uh, is on the way over to Abby's house. Um, Z falls asleep behind the wheel, crashes her car, uh, is approached by a police officer. Um, there is a brief confrontation in which Z reaches for her manifesto, uh, which she has brought with her on the seat, and the cop uh, points his gun at her in order to get out of the car, thinking that she's reaching for a weapon. Um, Z steps out of the car uh, with her manifesto in hand, uh, hands raised above her head. Um, it is unsure exactly what transpired. It is unsure what is said between the two, uh, but the cop fires at her, uh, shoots a hole in her manifesto, um, which prompts her to fly into a rage, uh, jump at the cop, uh, wrest his gun from him, and shoot him several times. In the aftermath of the crime, uh, Z steals the cop's car, drives it into the ocean off the pier, um, and then calls the police and makes up a story about how she noticed her car has gone missing, and she fears that her abusive ex-boyfriend might be to blame. Uh, when the operator asks about who her boyfriend might be, uh, she panics, realizes she didn't think this far ahead, and asks if there's a number that she can send photos to, uh, and makes an excuse to hang up. And when she gets off the phone with the operator, she texts 911 a one of Percy's selfies, and she calls an Uber to Abby's, which... And that is the end of chapter one. Damn. Um... Yeah. What an uh, opening. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I, th I like this first chapter a lot. Um, I it is. It, I, I, I really like the establishing of of Z as a character. Um, just because I, I think that what the I think what the, we got in the first chapter with regards to Z is that she is a profoundly flawed and very easily hateable person, uh, who is also at the same time it's very understandable why she is this way. Yeah. Um. And that's also, I think, what makes her so compelling. What, what do you think of the? What, what are your thoughts on the first chapter? I think I think it is a it's a very good opener. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I think the like every, everything up until the 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 cop gets involved, uh, it 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 definitely does capture the 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 vibes of that period. Yeah. Uh, the whole like. Waking up at four in the afternoon, not doing jack shit besides eating five day old mac and cheese. It was a. It was hard to get out to the grocery store. Yeah, uh, in, yeah. At that point, remember, like it was hard to get food. Like, fuck. Um. Yeah. It uh, it, it really was just. We we all just kind of existed, and then we all got online, and then we mm -hmm. existed online, and. That was yeah. it. That was existence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the concept of doom scrolling, I'm pretty sure existed like before 2020. Yeah. Um, it was it was a commonly talked about like it was it was it was a it was it was a slang term online that people knew what you were talking about if you said you were doom scrolling. Um, but when the pandemic hit, for a lot of people, uh, there suddenly became nothing to do besides doom scroll, and. I think that the the thing about the first chapter, the first like the first chapter that uh, 
is so compelling or like captivates me is like Z is uh, acting in really shitty ways. Like the whole exchange she has with uh, Percy the simp, yeah, um, is like there's it's in it's not really it's inexcusable. Like she's just fucking with this random guy, um, this this poor random simp who's done nothing wrong. Um, and she ends up fucking sending the police his photo and framing him for, for murdering a cop. Um, but at the same time, uh, like, I, I, I think that the way that Z is acting, um, is like the only way that she has to interact with the world at this point. Uh, there's her only friend in the world. Her only friend seems to be Abby who, seems to at this point have qualms with publicly associating with her um and her own personal fear of leaving the house uh, because of the pandemic is kind of inhibited her making any plans with abby in in recent memory um so like z is just holed up in her apartment drinking all the time with no like way that she feels is permissible to interact with the outside world besides going on her phone and being mean yeah. Um. Or going on her phone and like doing like it. I I don't I don't know what she can do. Uh, given the given her situation she's in, where like she's not even a very major figure online. Uh, she has less than a thousand followers. Um, it's the end of the chapter. Uh, but she still has people like on her social media commenting on all of her posts, uh, trying to tear her down. Um, and in a situation like that, I think even if regardless of what she's done in the past, um, it's really hard for somebody to change and not be a negative person in a situation like that. Yeah. Uh, where all she has to do is her phone pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, I like that the way I like how Z is established as kind of a, maybe not the most upstanding character. Um, but, uh, a victim of the same circumstance that we all kind of found ourselves in at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple other things in there that I like as well, or want to call attention to. Um, there's a comment uh, when it, the camera turns to Z's big poster hodgepodge. Um, that's like uh, narration from like it, it's 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 the second person narration that Hussey is so famous for. So unclear entirely whether it's Z's internal monologue or an uh, omniscient narrator. Uh, but we can infer that Z has some belief in this note that um, when she looks at a poster, uh, she thinks, or the narration thinks, um, you might even go as far as saying that in this era, an individual's personality isn't much more than a composite all the media they've consumed and their favorite stuff in particular. Which is, I don't know, of it, it feels true oftentimes. Yeah, I was I was actually gonna bring that up myself. Uh, I. I I didn't think about that line too much when 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 we initially talked about it last mm-hmm. year. Um, well, year before last. Uh, oh God, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I I I think looking looking at the this little segment where where Z looks at the posters and comparing it to how characters were introduced in Homestuck uh-huh. is. It is like this interesting like change over time over like w- what a person's identity is because like in Homestuck like some of the first things that we got introduced to with with the characters is like 
the things they do. Mm-hmm. And that's not really seen here. The The most we get with Z is the unplugged computer in the corner. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we, we get a sense of what she does these days, which is mostly just sit around and waste away on, uh, on her phone. Yeah. But th- there's like, there's no hobbies. There, there's mm-hmm. no external interests outside of media. And even yeah. then, like what's present is like, she even says like, these were things that she, she was into like a while ago. Mm-hmm. Like, like the little car cat, is not this this symbol of like she's actively into homestuck right now it's mm-hmm. it's this thing of time past like she she's not she's not even really defined by like what she's into now it's it's more like something she was into at some point in the past yeah there's it, we get the sense very much that z is like at a very aimless point in her life yeah where the things that like used to de- like she might have previously defined herself as she's kind of distance herself from or has this cynical perspective on where uh she's at least um i don't know if aware is the word uh she's self-conscious about uh media consumption at least if this is a thought that she's having yeah. and do- it, it doesn't want to define herself along those lines even though she doesn't have really have much else to define herself by um i, I was also kind of wondering if there was like a little bit of meta commentary going on there just because i like the Homestuck is not name mentioned by name at all. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it comes up as like, this is a thing that she was into a long time ago. Um, and there's later a gag about gray body paint and cosplay. That's like basically it. Right. Um, so like the, the, the presence of Homestuck being there, the ICP thing being there. Um, it, it's, it's a cute callback to like a lot of the stuff that we know has, like ICP being there is like also kind of a homestuck callback in a way. Like it's it's a cute uh, reference to a lot of what Hussey is like infamous for at this point. Yeah. Um, but also feels very pointed in that homestuck is not like referenced by name, and it's raised in this like sarcastic context of like, is this all a person is? Yeah. Um, is this all like a person's personality is? Um, what else? Oh, there was one. Okay. Uh. During Z's conversation with Abby, also, um, there's a thread that comes up a couple times uh, that I think might be important to the whole thing, uh, which is that at some point in the past, they agreed to always know when each other are joking, uh, and they reaffirmed that during their conversation. Um, and I don't know if I'm just, like, too neurodivergent to miss out on that being, like, a common joke that people have. Uh, or whether it's a really significant uh, piece of storytelling, but Halsey wrote it, so I'm going to interpret it as the latter. Um, but I feel like with the themes of psycholonials, uh, the notion of like you and your friends having this like implicit trust uh, that anything that you say that each o- to each other that makes each other uncomfortable is a joke um, does, I think, kind of ring true. Yeah. Um. If you've ever had, if any, it, I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure we can both relate to, and many people in the audience can relate to, like, having a relationship with somebody online, or, like, having a friendship with somebody online, um, not relationship, sorry, of where, like, you're not always entirely sure when each other are joking, um, and you might not always be completely comfortable with what the other person says, but yeah. running off as a joke makes it easier. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I think given the extreme places the plot goes, uh, 
this might be a, a detail worth latching on to. Um, yeah. And then, besides that, uh, I... I don't know what to say about the cop murder. It happens. Um, well, you know what? This, this is going to come up uh, a lot in the in the future of the in, in future chapters. So the one thing, so like the the actual scene itself where um, Zeke confronts the police and she ends up killing the cop. Um, I think it's. I don't think that it's meant to be as clear cut as she makes it out to be later down the line, where this story eventually becomes like she is the one who like it was righteous of her to take this action yeah um and choose it as justification for actions later down the line um so i think it's important to note that the way that the interaction is framed is pretty ambiguous like i said we don't get any of the dialogue that took place um we see the officer is getting you know we see that her reaching for a manifesto prompts him to pull out his gun, which is scary and fucked up. Um, but we don't really get any of the details as to what happens between when she gets out of the car and when she shoots him. Um, and I think that that's just important to know that to note as it's not like a super clear cut case that um, everything, it's not, it's not a super clear cut case of who was in the right and wrong. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, she kills the cop. Uh, takes his car because she's afraid that there might be dash cam footage, drives into the ocean, and then comes with a pretty shoddy alibi uh, to excuse it. Um, so, chapter one ends uh, with her calling an Uber over to Abby's. So, um, chapter two. Well, I mean, uh, we get our first sorry. interlude. Yes. Uh, as chapter two, I think you have to click on chapter two for the interlude to play, so I'm going to include it in chapter two. Um, but the interlude does play out before the chapter two title screen, so whatever. Um, the first interlude, uh, of Tycolonials, um, a mysterious voice, uh, speaks to us slash Z. Um, we don't know who it is, uh, but notably, uh, whoever it is does refer to Z, uh, by her, uh, given name that her parents gave her is Jen, uh, Z-H-E-N, which we learn, we learn in the first chapter that nobody really calls her that anymore. She's gone by, she goes by Z to avoid, uh, having to explain to people how the word, how her name is spelled versus pronounced. Um, and it goes in with kind of a, it, it's, it's framed as her parents giving her another thing that she can either, uh, just sit by and live with some discomfort or actually reach out and like, correct people on how they spell it um and she kind of resents them for that um but the voice does refer to her by her by her given name um the voice suggests uh that uh well she's really fucked up this time um and the long arm of the law is going to be breathing down your neck pretty soon um it raises the idea of justice uh as the concept of justice um merely being something that people with power can use to dismiss uh their punishment of people who don't. Um, and the voice suggests that maybe uh, Zen or maybe Z uh, needs her uh, needs to amass power um, so that she can enact justice, uh, or maybe just power. Period. Um, and it raises the uh, power of choice um, in the story. Um, we are offered uh, through a 
more traditionally video gamey uh, option select um, a false choice between uh, surrendering ourselves to the police um, or pushing forward, going to Abby's and laying and just working through it out, work, working through it all. Um, we are not allowed to make that choice because we are described as not being a true successor yet. Uh, and the story continues uh, as Z proceeds to Abby's house to not turn herself in. Okay. So, uh, chapter two begins. Um, Z arrives at Abby's doorstep, uh, sopping wet, uh, with her dry, notably dry manifesto with a bullet hole through it. Um, she feeds Abby some bullshit about falling into puddle. This is explaining why she's soaking wet. Um, and as she goes to bed, she tells herself that she will tell Abby the truth eventually, but not tonight. Uh, in the morning, uh, we are introduced to Abby's lifestyle in contrast to Z's. Um, we get to see uh, Abby is a uh, phenomenally popular online influencer. Um, and uh, her morning manifesto consists of getting up uh, 9 a.m. sharp or earlier. 9 is apparently the latest that she's uh, woken up in uh, recent memory. Um Whereas, uh, whereas Z in the first thing in the morning will, uh, check her phone just to scroll for an hour before getting out of bed, uh, Abby will also scroll her phone, uh, first thing in the morning after several hours of, uh, caring for herself and, uh, her horse, David Hasselhoff, in the mornings. Um, we also see a window into some of her interests, uh, which are, I think, also kind of contrasted with Z's. Uh, we see that Abby's things that she in, she's into are uh, BTS um, and horses. Uh, and she doesn't really have much of a deeper motivation for being into either. Um, whereas for Z, we kind of get a little bit of a window into her thought process and what she finds appealing about Metal Gear Solid and Post Malone, etc. Uh, Z, or Abby's, uh, description of these things for Abby is very straightforward. Uh, she's a simple woman. She likes the things she likes because she likes them. Um... So, uh, the next morning, uh, Z gets up and bullshits to, and, uh, when they, when they, uh, start talking in the morning, um, and Abby demands to know what's going on, uh, Z makes up some bullshit about, uh, shooting her own manifesto years ago, an unrelated incident, and reaffirms her puddle story from the night before. Uh, Abby is skeptical of this, uh, but she allows the conversation topic to drift towards, uh, Z's new branding ideas that they've come to discuss. Um, so Z launches into a, launches into a monologue about, uh, her new, about the Jubilite Manifesto, um, and what it consists of and, and what it consists of. Uh, so Z describes the Jubilites as a dead alien civilization from the planet of Whimsify, whose leader communicated the lore to her in her dreams. And so her manifesto is a, th is a synthesis of this lore that she's received from the, uh, Jubilite leader and radical leftist philosophy, uh, all paved over with a thick clown aesthetic. Um, Abby is very interested to see where this could develop, um, and she agrees to help Z manifest her new clown soda, uh, with the help of her makeup expertise. Um, so they go, uh, to Abby's makeup room and they give Z a whole new clown makeover and they introduce her clown soda to the world, uh, with a selfie that Abby posts on her social media. Um, Abby's no longer afraid to publicly associate with Z and has decided, you know, fuck it, uh, come what may, the, I'm gonna be friends with my friends and support her, 
um, regardless of what the haters might say about it. Um, so that night, uh, the two girls drink in celebration of their new of their uh, new influencer adventures that they are decide they're determined to set out on. Um, Z cracks open a seventeen thousand dollar bottle of wine from Abby's parents' expensive wine cellar to commemorate their next planned venture, which will consist of scamming Abby's billionaire parents out of their fortune. Um, in the midst of the good time, uh, the Nantucket PD calls Z's phone, and she dismisses the call as spam uh, when Abby asks what's going on. A week passes from this point. So, uh, Z's social media by now is growing rapidly. Um, she is sitting at a couple dozen thousand followers that she siphoned off from uh, her collaboration with Abby, and is amassing her own growing horde of clown-curious simps. Um... Her antis continue to crawl out of the woodwork as well, uh, and in retaliation to this, uh, she has begun to curate a list of uh, of haters uh, that she meticulously documents and curates before blocking them and vowing to rise above the noise graciously. Um, Z introduces the concept of pranksis to Abby, uh, which is a combination of pranking and praxis. Uh, and she does this by detailing her plans to rip off her parents. Um, Z reveals that she has already been targeting Abby's parents with uh, ads for a crypto exchange, uh, while directing fake email chains about the security of crypto uh, to their, their email inboxes. Um, Abby is shocked and delighted to learn about the intricacies of Z's plan, uh, which only set intensifies as she describes how she's been exchanging salacious emails with Abby's mom under a fake identity as a fellow Republican donor. Their fun is cut short when the police knock on Abby's door, which is where chapter three draws to a close. Or chapter two, sorry. Oh my god. Was... Alright. The, the feds. Five the feds are here. <laughs> so, chapter two um, is where we kind of start to get more of a window into Abby and Z's relationship. Yeah. Um, and like, the, the like just kind of the archetypes of characters that we're dealing with here. Um... Abby is the child of phenomenally wealthy multi-billionaires, um, which uh, is very attractive to Z for as a potential scam venture. Um, but the two do seem to genuinely care about each other a lot. Uh, they have a very cute dynamic. Um, I forgot to mention there's a whole... Uh, oh, in the first chapter, I forgot to mention the whole thing with them. Um, or a whole thing with, uh, in the conversation. Uh, in the first chapter, um, it's, uh, reference that, like, Abby, like, repeat, will continue to, like, hit on Z, who refuses her based on the, uh, based on that she's straight. Um, so there's, like, a continued, uh, dynamic here where there's some potential romantic tension. Uh, that we're, they'll, 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 they'll come up in a, in a, in a bit. Um, but yeah, uh, chapter two, um, what do you think about chapter two? Um, uh, I like The it. introduction of, <laughs> the introduction of the, of the Jubilites. This is where the, this is where we first learn what the Jubilites are. I, I really enjoy the Jubilite stuff. And I think I'm going to keep saying that every time it comes up because it's got that, <laughs> it's got that hussy flavoring on it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I like it. <laughs> I I I think the first time that we read this, I was big stuck on 
how real the Jubilites are in canon. Yeah. I remember we had a lot of discussions about whether or not um, it was like a thing that was all in Z's head or not. Uh, and I think that reading it now, uh, it's pretty unambiguous to me that the the Jubilites being aliens who are psychically influencing Z is supposed to be what's happening in the story. Yeah. I think that that's what, I think that that's true. Yeah. I, I, I think that as well. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I think that it's, hmm. when we, when we were first reading this, uh, in 2021, um, in the, in the wake of 2020, uh, I, I feel like it was a lot harder to effectively evaluate the political aspects of, of, of psycholonials. Um, because it felt a lot more like, uh, it, it felt a lot, a lot more, hmm, how to, how to describe this. Now that it's been a couple years since 2020, um, and since this specific political moment, uh, it becomes a lot easier to engage with this as like commentary on events rather than, um, it, it, uh, and to resist that impulse that was a bit stronger when it first came out to react to it based on uh, political allegiance. Because, and, and I say this because uh, I remember when it first came, was coming out, that the presence of radical leftist philosophy as a, as a prominent plot point was a little bit contentious and hard to process when radical leftism was essentially the only ethical response that was going on in the country at the time yeah um and it's a bit easier to evaluate uh now given that uh it you know it's 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 not we're not in that moment anymore um so the the inclusion of radical leftist philosophy is a core tenant of z's whole thing um is a lot easier process as commentary i think and the, hmm, I don't know. I I am a bit. I am less of a little weenie baby bitch uh, who might get offended that somebody said something bad about leftism than I was when this came out. Does that make sense? <laughs> in in the way that I am trying yes. to personally address this, because <laughs> I, I think that there, this has a lot interesting to say about the way that uh, politics, like our own personal politics, and the ways that we feel that. Uh, may very well be completely justified and the only correct way to feel in a particular moment um, might also have these weird interactions uh, with other aspects of our lives um, and other things that we might believe or get uh, engaged in or things that exist on social media. Um, so the combination of uh, radical leftism and alien clown bullshit um, I think it feels a lot more appropriate for analyzing how shit went down, especially online, uh, than I was ready to uh, process it as before. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think. <laughs> okay. I, th I think so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, it's, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll stop laboring this point. Cause I think, I think I got my point across with that one. Um, but yeah, like the whole. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I 
thought of for chapter two because that this will the, the the political aspects of it are not that strong yet but they will emerge uh pretty quickly um there's the whole the the bitcoin scam that they uh they set up that z sets up with abby's parents uh is delightful remember um, bitcoin <laughs> remember cryptocurrency that was crazy um yeah that was another really funny bit that i was like oh man if this came out like a year later she could have been getting the nfts that would have been awesome oh god <laughs> damn um let's see yeah i don't know i i think this chapter not, not a ton uh to this chapter really, it's setting up uh what will what is to come yeah um but yeah it's 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 there so um, we're now we're now a week out from the beginning of the story. We get introduced to the anti list. Yes, the the anti list. One of my favorite bits uh, that Hussey has ever done. Maybe um, <laughs> NB Garfield, uh, Picklerick dot fart, Picklerick dot shit, Picklerick dot balls. All 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 great. Soft boy Makara. <laughs> that one is maybe my favorite. <laughs> uh if, if uh, listeners, if you ever want to be a functioning person, make sure you two keep an anti list. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a very normal thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the anti list is uh like the strongest, like I don't know. Um, Zeke is a deeply flawed character, uh, and as the story moves on, um, I think we see that the it is very much about her flaw like her indulging her flaws um without really ever taking a moment to consider why uh or like developing the willpower to stop uh giving into her worst impulses yeah um and the anti-list is a really good example of that uh in that she's telling herself like this is what like this is what happens to people like this is uh i can i can rise above this while still obsessing over each and every single individual account that people have made to disgrace my name. Um, not a, not a good way, not, not a good way to be healthy, I would say. Yeah, I can agree Especially, with that. Especially, hold on, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to move on to chapter three? Sure. Okay. Uh, chapter three. Um, so the police have just knocked on Abby's door. Uh, Z, uh, on seeing that the cops are outside, panics, and she urges Abby to get the police to go away. Uh, and she goes to flee, uh, to hide in the stable with David Hasselhoof, the horse. Um, Abby, uh, addresses the cops and gets them to go away, uh, and comes out back after the cops have left, uh, and demands an explanation for the crime that she has just learned of. Uh, Z confesses the truth to Abby, uh, about how she shot the police officer, and drove the car into the ocean before sending the police Percy's picture. Um, but she emphasizes that it was the only thing to do and that it, she acted purely in self-defense. Uh, Abby is understandably frustrated that Z is on the run for killing a cop while building a social media following off associating with her. Uh, Z says that this is the only way that she knows that she feels like she can get back at a world that has wronged her. Um, and that the only impulse that she has on this point is to keep fighting. Uh, to which Abby ends up acquiescing and encourages her to stay at her house uh, while she continues to build her brand independently. Um, the Abby's like, okay, so you can stay in my house, 
uh, we're not going to film in the same rooms. There's not going to be any evidence that you're in my house, but uh, she still encourages her to stay with her and build the Jubilite brand uh, while they can figure out a way to get the police situation to blow over. Um, the topic turns uh, to what Z's content has, uh, how Z's content has been popping off recently. Um, and she mentions, uh, Z mentions that her manifesto is soon, uh, as she's publishing it online, is soon going to take a turn into the arena of quote-unquote weird gender shit. Uh, which is apparently close to what she was ranting about when she was first cancelled. Um, but this time around, she is confident that it will land with the masses. Uh, so another week passes from here. Um, Z's following online is approaching a million strong on her Insta. Uh, which has been accompanied by a roughly half a million increase in Abby's following as well, uh, which indicates that not only is Jubilate philosophy really starting to catch on, uh, but it is catching on independently of Abby's brand, uh, and Z is really onto something here with the public. Um, Abby has continued to work at her dad uh, as part of the Bitcoin scam, um, pretending to be a Republican and share all of his deepest convictions, uh, and she's basically bullshitting that all the stuff they're getting up to online, uh, all the publicly visible stuff with the socialist propaganda from Z is all an elaborate act to own the libs and just a reason that uh, for her father to continue funneling Bitcoin into her account. Um, Z prepares to go live with the latest chapter of her manifesto. Uh, before she goes live, uh, Abby encourages her to share details um, and Z describes her newest concept, which is clown gender. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, clown gender theory, uh, as Jubilites uh, view it, um, see the gender continuum as a pyramid, um, with the base of the pyramid an axis stretching from male to female, uh, and the y-axis um, being one's adherence to the social construct of gender norms. Um, so, for instance, the very top of the pyramid is uh, directly lies directly above. Uh, where non-binary lies on the x-axis, but it is, uh, at the top of the y-axis, is detached from the concept of gender. So a fully clown gender person uh, might have the same uh, x-axis orientation as a non-binary person, but they have transcended beyond uh, and has just discarded the concept of gender as a useful concept. Um, Z plans to come out as fully clown gender during the stream, uh, and she encourages Abby to contemplate her own place in the clown continuum, uh, that someday the first Jubilate, uh, who was named in this conversation for the first time, Riotous, uh, will bless her with an answer. Um, Abby uh, speculates on the discourse that will result from debuting these ideas to the masses. Uh, Z is delighted at the notion that her ideas might cause chaos, uh, and describes debuting Pranks' ideology as a form of praxis unto itself, uh, the releasing chaotic uh, ideas onto the world um, furthers the, furthers those own chaotic ideas, basically. Um, so uh, Z goes live. Uh, we do not see the stream uh, on camera, uh, but we do see afterwards the two girls drinking to the aftermath of the debut of clown gender ideology. Um, the discourse online is popping off just as planned. Um, much to their delight. Uh, the two discuss the manipulation of Abby's parents as well. Um, Abby has continued to work her father, uh, whereas Z has been struggling to keep Abby's mom uh, strung along in her email roleplay, 
and contemplates enlisting one of her simps to add a more realistic male dimension to the affair. Uh, following this train of thought, uh, Z contacts Percy again, knowing that he'll be easy to manipulate with her meteoric rise in popularity, and she enlists him in the scheme to manipulate Abby's mother. Uh, in the DM conversation, uh, as Abby, Abby's look, uh, so as, as she's having this conversation with Percy, um, she's hanging out with Abby on the couch, um, and Abby sees her end this conversation with a suggestive invitation to come to the island, because uh, she's getting real lonely recently, you know what I mean. Um, Abby teases her for this, um, and moves in to try to make a romantic approach on Z and try to kiss her, and Z pushes her off, uh, before apologizing. And Z talks a bit about, uh, her own relationship with her sexuality, uh, in wake of recent events. Um, she says that she feels pretty twisted about the whole thing, and how she's kind of using her own sexuality to lead Percy on and manipulate him. And that she, at this point, uh, feels, uh, she, she rejected Abby more so because she doesn't want to feel like she's turning that same weapon against someone that she cares about. Um, which is, uh, awful. That sucks. I feel really bad for her. Yeah. Um, and she flees to the bathroom, uh, after apologizing, um, to get some peace and quiet, where... She checks her phone and sees herself featured in a headline following the investigation of the murdered cop from two weeks ago. And that is the end of chapter three. So yeah. Damn. This is the one this is this is the one where shit starts to get a little bit serious. If if murder wasn't already serious enough. Um Clown gender. Clown gender. <laughs> what do, what do we think of clown gender? Oh my god. I I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I the the this was one of the chapters that like when it came out, people got really fucking obtuse about it online. Uh, people were like, "Hutchie doesn't understand gender, non-binary, halfway point between woman and man." Shut up! Shut up! There was a lot. There was a lot of hubbub made about what is pretty clearly just a. A, a two a, somebody just fucking around and having fun like yeah it, it is it is not it is not that deep uh and i think the addition of horse gender down the line uh really really underlines that it is not that deep um uh but maybe it is that deep but perhaps it is perhaps uh it is. There, there there were actually people that the questions started happening uh because like there's a there's a cast list on in, in, in the game, like if you go into the menu, there's a cast list, and there's also a cast list on the on the website of all the characters who are in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the their 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 genders are listed. Uh, and Hussy has a self insert character whose whose gender is clown gender. Mm-hmm. And you know it got it. It's weird to speculate about real people's identities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of people were doing that, but. Uh, Hussey did go on the record to say that they, uh, they, they do identify with the, the premise of clown gender, like genuinely. You know, I guess we do have to cancel them for not understanding non-binary after all. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Which, I mean, thumbs up from me for, for them. Yeah. Experience gender in your own way. Yeah. It's fun. 
I think that I think that like um the the real thing here is that it's like a way that Z can express herself or themselves to the to the world. Yeah. In a unique way. Um like uh I think that the this is like maybe the the healthiest we ever see Z's impulses um with regards to building her brand. Yeah. Um like the I I, I I get the impression uh from the first chapter and from a lot of what follows that a lot of uh Z's impulses are like just her trying to uh make some kind of imprint on the world or like make some kind of uh be unique in some capacity yeah um like i think it fits with the theme of like people being defined by their interests and how that's not really much of a personality um and what we see later but i yeah i i like the clown gender stuff just because it's like it's silly um and i think it's just a really good way to like play around with these characters like with z like expressing herself and like putting herself out there yeah um before it becomes something darker uh well not the clown before the jubilite stuff turns into something darker um the so the the abby's parents bitcoin scam thing uh also I, th- th- this one is just a victimless crime as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, any Anybody with enough money to, like, just hand wave away dumping, like, tens of thousands of dollars at a time into crypto, like, whatever. They, whoever is taking all that crypto deserves it. Completely fine. I don't care. It. Keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the record, anything I'm denouncing Z for, I'm not including the Bitcoin scam. The Bitcoin scam is genius. Uh, and she should do it. Um... The continued enlistment of Percy uh, as a character, uh, the, the, the tragedy of Percy, um, I, we memed on Percy a lot, but like, it, it really struck me reading it this time, like how fucked up it is. It's good old, <laughs> you know? it's good old Percy. Um, he, we we have a we have a fucking emote for him in the in the Discord. <laughs> we do, we do. I, I I do love the emote. Um, but like, yeah, it, it it's uh it, it is messed up. Um, the way that she leads him along. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, yeah. like, it, it it's fucked up. It's, it's the only thing. It's what else can I say about it? Um, and I think that there might be something there in like the there's well, remember something there of like the Z's relationship with Abby being there to like kind of reinforce what's good about her and like what is uh, lovable in her character versus her own um, ventures uh, that she, that repeatedly it's made a point of that she doesn't explain to Abby before like moving them into like before pushing her plans into action. Um, So like everything that she collaborates with Abby on, I see as being like a, positive that makes her if not a better person um a more likable one uh or more human uh seeming whereas the stuff that she gets up to on her own time um which deals with like the advancement of the jubilite brand uh her deliberately concealing that from abby consistently i think is is meant to like definitely represent something darker like there's supposed to be like a definite contrast there and it's there's a point to her bring up over and over like 
you don't have to worry about any of the plans I'm making. We'll just make, we'll, we'll, you'll help me put them into motion when it's your time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, between chapters three and four, uh, we get our second interlude as well. Um, so the voice returns to admonish Z for her poor, uh, crime skills, um, in getting caught and getting, uh, becoming the center of a national investigation. Um, but it does also congratulate her on her guts for making it this far, uh, proclaiming that she'll need those guts for the escalation to come, um, and that it respects her for uh, being that gutsy. Uh, we are offered another false choice uh, between either deleting all of our social media accounts um, or continuing on our current course. And again, the options are revealed to be fake, um, and the voice uh, mocks us and says, I'm just here to remind you of the stakes. And it trills off by saying, uh, again, referring to Z with her birth name, uh, you're a fighter, Jen. That's what I like about you. So that ties in with, I think, what Z was talking about earlier, where her continued use of social media and her continued irresponsible use of the computer uh, is the only way that she knows how to fight back against the world. So I think there's something going on there. Um, chapter four. Chapter four. The last chapter, chapter that we're covering in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so chapter four. Uh, we get the second interlude, um, and we get the uh, a screen that tells us that two more weeks have passed. So I believe that we are now a f- month out from the beginning of the story on April 20th. Yes. Uh, yes. So, uh, Z has continued to lay low in Abby's house. Um, she, uh, Abby has graciously provided her with her most expensive luxury vehicle that she can go out and take on drives to clear her head. Uh, and so we join her at the beginning of this chapter, uh, on setting out for one of those drives. Um, we learned that in the two weeks since, uh, her online following has continued its meteoric rise to over 6 million loyal fans on Instagram. She's at a Homestuck number. Yeah. Uh, her unusual ideas and spotlight in a police investigation have fanned the flames of her popularity. Um, some fans are interested from an ideological perspective, uh, many of her followers are really in on the clown stuff, whereas others are just there for the readily uh, apparent disaster looming with the uh, criminal investigation. Uh, we learned that plans with Abby's parents as well have been progressing at a steady rate. Um, Abby has her father deeply concerned about market volatility and is funneling large portions of his wealth into Bitcoin. Uh, and Z has continued to string Abby's mother along with the help of Percy, who was slated tomorrow to help uh, out with some developing plans. Um... We learned some hilarious details, uh, such as that uh, Z has been photoshopping the random guy who she's impersonating's face onto amateur pornography uh, to create fake nudes to send to Abby's mom. Um, which, again, uh, ethical. The, the question of the ethics of that aside, hilarious. Yeah, very funny. Very, very funny thing to do to a person. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely funny thing to do to a person. <laughs> Um, uh, and Percy, Percy has been helping out in this plan, uh, by providing a voice that she, uh, they can use to talk over the phone with Abby's mom with the leader along. Um, Z still has not informed Percy that the police have his photo. Uh, 
on the way back from her drive, uh, Z, while walking along the beach, uh, has another vision of her parents as shadowy figures. Um, her father, again, bleeding from the eyes, um, that passes as quickly as it begins. So back at home, uh, Abby and Z convene to discuss how their plans are progressing. Uh, they have about $5 billion now in funds that they've extracted from Abby's parents. Uh, but Z fears the well is starting to run dry on liquid assets that they can uh, pull from them. Um, Abby professes that she feels pretty gross about her interactions with her father and how uncomfortable it makes her to have to roleplay as a Republican the whole time. Um, and she envies the fun aspects that Z is indulging in with uh, Percy and her mom. Uh, Abby makes a request to Z as to whether she can work the concept of horse gender into the Jubilee gender continuum. <laughs> Z is initially uh, pretty offended at this notion um, that her philosophy might require an amendment, uh, but she gives in and caves for a friend and uh, comes up with something that she can work with. Uh, later that day, they debut the concept of horse gender in a live stream as an opposite to clown gender on the vertical axis uh, on the pyramid. Uh, so, whereas a clown gender person, uh, as the closer you get to clown gender, the more the continuum narrows towards the top as you get further and further away from the concept of gender, uh, as you get closer to horse gender, uh, which is the lower end of the y-axis now, um, the base of the pyramid widens and you become more and more strongly associated with whatever gender, uh, you've chosen. Or whatever gender you feel is uh, not not chosen is wrong. Trying to chosen the wrong word. Whatever gender you feel expresses yourself the best. Uh, for instance, Barack Obama would be a solid example <laughs> of a of a horse gendered male. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, part of, on part as part of this stream, um, part of the way that uh, Z illustrates this concept is that she cites uh, J.K. Rowling and like being a turf. As an example, like, here's a strong association with uh, womanhood. Uh, don't let them ruin it for you, but, like, this is all I could come up with. <laughs> Which I also think is pretty funny. Uh, I've not quite worked out what that's supposed to sit... I've not quite worked out what the social commentary angle on that is. Uh, beyond that, it's probably not pro-JK Rowling. Um, so we get, the con we get the introduction of horse gender. Uh, later that night... Um, uh, after they found to sleep, uh, Z has another out of body type experience dream. Um, she uh, she finds herself in Abby's backyard. Uh, she sees David Hasselhoof the horse uh, dressed up as a clown. Um, and as the camera pulls back uh, on the world, we see that it's been replaced with a fantastical landscape dotted with mountains and various circuses across the landscape. Um, Z's spirit flies into into space. Uh, and she is greeted again by a titanic clown who informs her that she has been doing well. And this again scares her awake, uh, where she looks around and for a brief moment can see the shadowy figures of her parents haunting her again. Um, Z is Z's having some trouble. The next day, uh, Percy arrives at the island. Uh, Z waits for him in the parking lot, uh, undercover in the Bentley. Um... So she has a, uh, a spectator seat view uh, when the police arrest Percy as he gets off the boat. Uh, determined to not let this slide, uh, Z gives pursuit to the police. Um, 
she follows them across the island uh, and waits them at an intersection where, uh, in broad daylight, she T-bones the cop car, um, gets out of her car, and fires into the windshield until the two cops are dead. Uh, people see. Uh, people see. People record video on their phones. Uh, the cat is out of the bag by now. She grabs Percy and drags him somewhere to, uh, to find somewhere to hide, uh, eventually setting on the restaurant that she used to work at before the pandemic. Um... In the uh, abandoned restaurant, she Z hurriedly explains to a shell-shocked Percy that she did not, in fact, that she, oh, sorry, that she did, in fact, do the cop murder that she has been under investigation for. But she lies to him and continues to tell him the cops were after him for Bitcoin fraud and not the photo that she gave them. Uh, Percy doesn't say much. Uh, Percy, in fact, I don't think says anything uh, post his DM conversation in the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> um... But uh, she uh, paints Percy's face with her blood in a stricken fervor, uh, anoints him as the clown purse, and the camera pulls away as she begins to kiss him and uh, bring. And I I guess the implication is they probably have sex in the restaurant uh, as the camera pulls back and sees the police that the island is now crawling with police, and we get the impression that there is no real shot at turning back now. Damn. What an occurrence! That that yes, that's what happened. That is what happens in chapter four. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say she might be losing her grip a little. Maybe a little just bit, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I I really really like this chapter. I think it has a lot of stuff in it that uh, points towards what Psycholonials is about. Um, I I really like the um. I really like the way that the Abby's parents arc continues to develop um, and how uh, there's the included detail that Abby feels disgusted with having to role play as a Republican. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that it, uh, it, it goes to show like that this is about, it's, it's more, it's, it's about more than just Z specifically. Um, and it's, also about just how these like it, it, it's 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 also it's also about how these are uh affecting uh abby yeah um playing this character um the <laughs> the entrance of percy into the story again uh is is something um yeah uh percy just continues to stand in for like the the hapless simp who I, I guess doesn't really have much else to do at this point. Uh, I don't know if, if there's any specific symbolism uh, post cop shootout, um, but he, it, him, hmm, I like him being there. And I think that uh, the were the Percy kind of exists to bring out the worst in Z, if that makes sense, uh, with her, like, cont continuing to lie to him about, uh, the police, even after she has killed on his behalf. Yeah. Um, I very much think that, like, Percy is there to bring out the negative aspects of Z, or, like, to encourage her to, um, act before she thinks. Um, let's see. The interlude. Uh, as well. I, I like, I think that the, this chapter having the interlude really also marks it as a big 
turning point in the story. Um, like I said, I like the connection between, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, like I said, I like the connection between, uh, Z, the, Z in the previous chapter describing her irresponsible, uh, actions on social media, uh, and her reshaping of her brand as, uh, in, in the face of her police investigation, the only way she knows how to fight back against the world. Um, and I think that it really paints this interlude in a really nefarious light that the voice is encouraging that and being like, you're a fighter. That's what I like about you. Uh, and I think that the interludes also are meant to tie in with her parents, obviously, because we have the, uh, or maybe not obviously, but like, I think they're also meant to tie in with uh, her arc with her parents, where in this chapter, we not only, um, we, we get both the interludes back and we get the first appearance again of, uh, her parents, uh, her version of her parents. Um, also going with how the voice, uh, is the only character in the story, uh, besides her parents who refers to her with her given name. So yeah, I, I think this chapter is really good. Uh, I think it develops a lot of, can you just develop a lot of ideas that I like a lot? Um, sorry, what did you think of it? I, I would agree. I, I enjoyed it, this chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I like that Z kind of opened up to, to letting Abby play a part with the, with the horse gender stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say something about that. <laughs> it, uh, the horse, I think it, um, it, it, well, for my, I, I guess, oh my, I just said, I just vocalized for 10 seconds. I didn't say a single English word. Um, <laughs> I guess from my perspective on the horse gender thing, I think that it ties into what I was saying earlier, where Abby and Z's dynamic is kind of the positive side of things that brings out, uh, maybe the better or the best or the more likable in both of them. Yeah. Is he especially? Yeah. Because, like, when Z talks about the the manifesto being this, like, airtight thing that doesn't need any other additions or changes made to it, I, th- I, th- I think the, the fact that, like, she, she, she hears Abby's ideas out and then incorporates it into the, into the platform mm-hmm. kind of shows that, like, Abby kind of means something to her. Maybe. Yeah, Who we knows? could say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one could say one could say that. Um, yeah. Uh, I I do the... really enjoy the continued uh swindling of Abby's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just really funny to me that uh, how they're going about it. Yeah. Um. It, the the whole like Z and Abby's mom uh are, are like the, the the every time we get an update on that scheme it provides some of like the more potent comic relief I think in in the story yeah because uh, whenever it comes up like we're getting details on like um how they're photoshopping nudes uh how how uh Z mentions like how uh, horny Abby's mom is like how desperate she is. Um, they like joke about getting them a divorce and how be doing them a favor. Um, it, it, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, but there's also the the darker side of it when it comes to like Abby's work independently uh, with her dad and how much it feel how much 
she feels like that's negatively affecting her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like the, it, it's interesting. Cause like the, the fun part is like the, um, the creativity, like Z and Percy get to fuck around, um, be bad, like get creative in how they're fucking with Abby's mom. Whereas Abby herself, uh, as she talks about is like stuck just regurgitating. She describes it as just regurgitating everything she's heard from her dad that she hated back to him to get him to agree with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's good. It's funny. Um, but also like there's a very dark side to it that, uh, I think is definitely worth keeping in mind. Um, it, it continues to tie in with like Z trying to be independent or like, uh, when she gives Abby this independent assignment as well, like it, uh, Abby doesn't like what it's doing to herself and with maybe she has some more con like maybe Abby is more conscious of the effects that her activities have on her. Whereas Z is more, uh, ready to devote herself to a work and not consider what it might be doing to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think that that also just kind of works well with the, how we're seeing that Z is still being played, but like Z is being played by vision of her parents. Um, she's having the clown dreams again, which she mentioned in the first chapter hadn't happened since she first had her breakdown, uh, years ago. Um, and that whole breakdown with the clown dreams, with her initial writing of her manifesto also all happened, uh, surrounding the death of her father. Um, so, while we don't get much, like, Z never really acknowledges in the story, like, in dialogue or in the story that something might be, uh, being going horribly wrong or that she might be, uh, essentially self-harming, um, she never acknowledges that, but it's very apparent from, uh, her hallucinating her parents and such that Z's not doing very well. And I, I, I like it for being, like, I, I, I think part of that really resonates just because, like, you know, self-harming yourself on the computer is extremely easy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very easy to, like, get wrapped up in doing stuff online uh, and not consider the effect that it's having on yourself. Um, I would agree. So yeah, I, just, I think that that kind of ties in with that. Um, yeah. Uh, we were, let's see. We initially said we were going to check over the first five chapters when we started this episode, uh, but we are now... We, we took 20 minutes talking about not content, so... And then we talked about content for an hour and 20 minutes, so... Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to push that to next episode, which I think is fine. Uh, the, the, the game is, what, nine chapters? It is nine chapters, uh, yes. Chapter five is kind of like a transition point between, between yeah. like, two, two very different parts of the story because like uh a lot of when, when this was originally coming out a, a lot of people were really annoying about quote-unquote realism uh and and how how pull-offable the the events of the story are uh i feel like the first four chapters are maybe the most grounded chapters yeah and then chapter five happens and then it all flies off the rails <laughs> Shit is about to fly off the fucking handle in chapter five. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> I would say that also that, uh, the events of the first 
four chapters are yeah pretty grounded in terms of like what yeah could actually happen um once the once z kills two cops in broad daylight um and then it goes in chapter five to hide on an airbnb it starts to beggar belief a little bit more yeah it's a little bit more fantastical yeah which is not a criticism but it, it, it there's a there's a tone change for sure um and now that z is a known wanted murderer uh the subject matter is going to take a bit of a darker turn as well as to what the Jubilate movement um, becomes. Um, but yeah. Uh, as of now, I don't think in the first four chapters um, that there's like a ton actually f- focusing on what the Jubilate movement is like becoming. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's in the next chapter that we start to really get an idea of, like, how that is going to integrate with the real world setting. Um, yeah, so, yeah, just the first four chapters of this, uh, we meet our, our nice friends, Z and Abby, our, our two favorite influencers, and, and uh, we get acquainted with some of their wholesome adventures. Yeah. Surely um, nothing will go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John. How would you say that, or how would you compare the experience of reading this to uh, the experience of reading it when it first came out and we were doing it episodically? Um. Well, well, going into it now, I know how it ends. Yeah. So I, I, I I'm kind of looking at the 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 early parts of it with the knowledge of what happens afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say right now it is kind of very different from when it was first releasing because like when when that was coming out theories were flying all over the place nobody knew what was going to happen next uh the the whole like choice fake outs thing like there were people who were like oh my god what 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 if what if these become unlocked at some point and then the length of the story doubles in size (laughs) I think that we may have been among those speculating that. <laughs> I, I think we were. Uh, but but now that I know like what to expect, I I like know what to expect. <laughs> yeah. I, I I have expectations that that are more real. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm just yeah. revisiting this thing. I'm not I'm not going into it thinking, oh, this is this is Hussey's next grand venture. This is this is what Hussey was talking about a decade ago when, when he said that Homestuck is just a warm-up for something bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would agree. I think it's a lot easier to, like, take it in when I don't have those expectations, especially. Um, it, but also just, like, knowing how it ends, like, I, I think I... I'm, I'm I'm a little bit afraid that I'm getting ahead of myself here on some of like what I'm reading and how I'm interpreting it, but like I can see a lot better how a lot of things fall into the general message of it. Yeah, and like where these ideas are going to be carried throughout the story. Um, and I think as a result, like now that I know that it's a story about spoilers, it's about sort of about logging off. Um. I, I really am enjoying it a lot more, I think, uh, just on, like, a engage with the material. Because um, the first time around, I had a lot of fun just anticipating what was going to happen. But I think this time I have the opportunity to kind of, like, take it in at its own, at, at face value. Yeah. And not have all this weird baggage of, like, uh, is there, uh, 
it, uh, is is there going to be choices? Is is it a video game? Is it a homestuck? Is it a is it going to be a, a a movie? Uh, where where is this medium? What is what is going to ha- what what is the medium going to do with this? Or like, what's the twist? Yeah. Uh, and and knowing knowing any twist that may occur it makes it a lot easier to just sit and and take in and like appreciate the value of this story about like two early two people in their early twenties fucking around. And trying to discover themselves, trying to find themselves. I agree. In insane ways. Yeah. Um. So, I I suppose uh, we're still planning on doing the rest of it in one episode. Um, yeah. I guess unless, I would... unless plans change. Yeah, I was gonna say like in the case that this happens again, and we realize that it gets denser and denser towards the end. I don't want to commit a thousand percent to one more episode. Um. But the plan is at this point to do the rest of it uh, with the next episode that comes out. Um, so for now, I would say if you are listening along, I would say plan to read the rest of Psycholonials uh, and uh, we will discuss the rest of it, um, I guess, next week or whenever these episodes are coming out now, since we're not doing it weekly, strictly weekly anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, I think that that wraps us up for what we want to talk about this episode, unless you had anything else, John. I think I'm good. All right. Uh, do you want to wrap this one up then? Sure. Okay. Um, thinking, uh, why don't, okay. So first outro, 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 outro. Uh, so first, uh, John, would you like to thank our patrons? I would love to. And yes, your two are still the same. Okay, uh, so uh, thank you so much to our patrons, uh, Michael P, uh, Poof the Twenty Seventh, and the other ones: Ashen One, Haxus Three, Mel, Tezrak, Amber M, Danny, Caffeine, Gareth F, Simon Martins, and Corin. Thank you, thank you for money. Thank you all so much for money. Uh, th- th- thank you also for your patience with us as we. Try to navigate Patreon's bullshit policy changes oh, yeah. right when we are trying to figure shit out. Oh yeah, I, I I I told I told everyone in the Discord. Well, not everyone in the Discord. I think I just said it in the patrons chat, and I put a thing on the Patreon. Uh, that thing we said last episode we were gonna do about d- changing to to charge per episode. Uh, that's not happening because Patreon is stupid, and I hate Didn't- them. They, they like, recently just updated their policy to say that uh, accounts made in a certain time window, which include ours, are not eligible for that type of model, I believe. Yeah, uh, so... yeah. If I, if, if I wanted to, like, change us to that format, I would have had to delete the Patreon, remake it entirely, and, uh, like, half of our patrons were like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't do that. <laughs> So thank you so much, patrons. Uh, apologies that we are filthy liars. Um, and uh, if you send me, if, if you write me via post, uh, I will reimburse you uh, for uh, $100. <laughs> um, I won't do that. That's a lot. Um, but nonetheless, thank you so much. Thank you so much to our patrons for being patient with us and for supporting us. It means a lot. Uh, thank you all so much. Um I would like to extend our second shout out of the of the episode, as always, to all of our listeners, um, patron or not. Uh, we are now that we are cruising in the in the post homestuck landscape. 
uh, really appreciate anybody who's still sticking around listening. Appreciate anybody who was there, who's been here. Um, it's awesome. Uh, and it's cool to know that people are just hanging out to hear what we got to say about shit. So thank you guys so much. Um, and as always, again, our third shout out of the evening goes to Alex, our artist and editor. Um, I think we decided that we could just call him producer. So I'm going to say Alex, our uh, producer. Um, and, uh, he, he do be producing, uh, Alex enables everything that we do, um, and we love him for it. So shout out Alex. Thank you so much. Uh, and with that, uh, we will see you again, uh, next time, uh, to continue our discussion of Andrew Hussey's seminal, uh, visual novel, Psycholonials. Uh, see you all again next time. See you.